Hey, we have a very special episode of Draft Class today. Sacramento Kings point guard De'Aaron Fox will be joining the show. He's going to talk basketball, NBA draft, and Dragon Ball Z. But before that, we get Jonathan Chark, Sandy Chow, and me, and we'll be previewing the conference finals and next Tuesday's NBA draft lottery. But first, let me tell you about Ladder Life. Need life insurance? Check out Ladder Life, the smart and easy way to secure life insurance online. With traditional insurers, you can spend weeks on paperwork, broker meetings, and lab scheduling. With Ladder, you can get a quote, apply, and receive an instant decision in 10 minutes or less. Coverage can begin immediately for those who qualify. Get a free quote and learn more at ladderlife.com NBA. Also, let me tell you about what's going on at The Ringer this weekend. Yesterday, a great piece by John Gonzalez went up at TheRinger.com titled The Making of Mo Baba. Gone spent an entire day with Mo to write this piece, and it is truly excellent. Please go read that on the site. On our podcast network, we have you covered for all your NBA needs, including on this very feed, The Ringer NBA Show, which has new episodes for you every weekday. We also have One Shining Podcast with Titus and Tate. Our two bag boys have veered out into the NBA territory with their latest episode, so please go listen to that. And of course, it's Friday, which means that NBA Desktop, hosted by Jason Concepcion, is up. This episode features a certain seven foot three Serbian NBA player. Uh, maybe you can guess who that is, so please go check that out. And now it's time for draft class. Welcome to the Ring NBA Show. I'm Kevin O'Connor, and this is Draft Class. Calling in from Dallas, Texas, as he does every week, it's Ringer staff writer Jonathan Charks. Hey, what's up, guys? I got a confession to make. Okay. I was kind of glad that Boston won last night, because there'll be no games for like three days. I think I need to break a little bit from basketball. I need to kind of unplug for a second. You're just setting up for next week when you're here in LA and you see Bill, right, John? Oh, yeah, totally. That too. Keep the boss happy, man. Well, I'm looking forward to seeing you next week, Jonathan. We'll be doing live Tuesday night after the NBA draft lottery. That'll be fun. You'll be able to hear record here in Los Angeles with me and the man sitting across from me here in LA. It's Ringer Associate Editor, Danny Chow. Hello. I, too, am very excited to have a couple days off before we get oh, right back boy. into the conference finals, yeah. It's going to be a good time. Um, Kings point guard De'Aaron Fox will be joining the show to talk basketball, NBA draft prospects, Dragon Ball Z. It's a fun conversation, but first we're going to be talking conference finals and Tuesday draft lottery. Our music is by the band Oso Oso, and the podcast is produced by Isaac Lee, who will also be providing grades as he does every show at the end. Isaac, what's happening, man? I am also glad that we got a couple days off of basketball as much as basketball is indeed very good, it is also very time-consuming. You're preaching to the choir, man. <laughs> <laughs> I'll be doing draft guide profiles the next couple of days. Got to get those done. Oh, so you don't, you don't get a break. You don't get a break. The grind never well, stops. I mean, you know, it's, you don't have to watch games so we're able to focus on other stuff. But yeah, let's do it, guys. Celtics beat the Sixers in five games. Cavs swept the Raptors. This is a rematch of last year's Eastern Conference Finals, except it's kind of not. Boston only has four returning players from last year's Eastern Conference team. John, does this year's Celtics team have a chance to take down LeBron and the Cavs? I mean, I think they're a lot better than they're given credit for. I think they'll beat LeBron. Like, it's hard to bet against LeBron at this point. But I do think this team, people, everyone's like, oh man, when they get Kyrie and Hayward back next year, they're going to be awesome, which they will be. But this team right now is pretty good. I think like they showed that in this last series. They've got good players at every position. They're very versatile, very flexible, very athletic, very skilled. This is a good basketball team. I kind of feel like they're going to take game one. 
Like they're they're gonna give a little Home crowd. Yeah, a little yeah. a little slap in the face of LeBron, kind of wake him up. <laughs> and then who knows, maybe after that it's a gentleman's sweep. The, but Le- LeBron seems pretty woken up this whole playoffs though, doesn't he? Though, it's true. I, I, we'll we'll see how how he does with the extra rest. I, I know he was talking about how how much he needed. I'm sure he needs it way more than we do. I think it's more about like love and Corver. Like LeBron's gonna do LeBron things. That's just a given. It's like these other guys, can they be kind of attacked on both sides of the ball? That's where like Boston's a chance to make us a good series, I think. John, the article you wrote on the ringer.com about the Celtics team is like, you know, they, they're not just this scrappy group of second rounders. They have a lot of top picks on their team. And in the way they're constructed, as we saw in the series against Philadelphia, they have a really, really high level ability to match up against different types of lineups. And what Cleveland has done so far in these playoffs is surround LeBron James with four shooters. It's been their most potent lineup, their most utilized lineup. And with Kevin Love, he has gone off. But I think the difference this season for Boston and Cleveland compared to their past two series is that Boston has an ability to stop Kevin Love or at least contain him. Do you think for Boston, maybe it's more so, maybe the key to the series is more so stopping Kevin Love and everybody else more so than stopping LeBron because you can't stop LeBron? Yeah, I think so. I mean, I think even more than Love, like, so Corver was a big part of what happened in the last round. But then on the Boston side of the equation, they really punish Reddick and Bellinelli. Now, I'm not sure how Corver stays on the floor against some of these Boston lineups. Like, is he going to guard Terry Rozier or Tatum or Jalen Brown or Marcus Morris even? I don't see how that's even going to happen. Do you think Boston could beat him, though? I, I mean, like, do they have enough offensive juice? I mean, is, is there really, really just high-level, you know, switchable, switchy, versatile defense enough to carry them throughout the series? Do they have enough offense? I want to say yes, but then I remember LeBron's only loss to Golden State and San Antonio in the last six years. Like, I feel like to beat LeBron, you have to have just like such incredible offense. It doesn't even matter. I don't think their offense is that good. I think like you have to have an overall amount of talent to beat LeBron. We're just overlooking Brad Stevens here. What he did with Aaron Baines the last series is just, it's mind boggling. The guy made two threes all season <laughs> and, and then suddenly he was a floor spacer from the corners. Like, what do you guys think is the next surprise wrinkle that Stevens might have in his back pocket? <laughs> because that was just, I, I don't know if he can top that. But, oh, are but we, he might are need we putting aside like surprise return by Gordon Hayward? Oh, is that, that's like off the table. That's not happening. Right. But besides that, I'm not sure what else there is. I mean, everything so far has maybe not been a surprise, but it's been better than you could have ever expected it to be. Jason Tatum scoring 20-plus points in eight straight games now. Jalen Brown becoming a a high-IQ, versatile-scoring player. Al Horford suddenly becoming the superstar scorer a lot of Celtics fans wish he was when they needed it from him. Aaron Baines shooting threes. Shemi Ojale containing Giannis Antetokounmpo. I'm not sure what else there is. Is there anything else, John? I mean, I think it's just doing those things again. I feel like in the last series against Toronto, like I'm not a big Casey guy, especially in the playoffs. I feel like Toronto just missed a lot of basic adjustments that really just killed them. And it made Cleveland look better than they really are. Like even some basic as, hey, let's make sure we have Aaron Baines on Tristan Thompson. Or like with Toronto be like, let's make sure we have Jonas on Tristan Thompson. It's stuff like that I think Toronto didn't do that Boston should be able to do that'll make Cleveland look a little more beatable than they did against the Raptors. Well, that's what I'm especially curious about in this series. I mean, the playoffs is so much about matchups, and Boston has the ability to play different styles. They can play big with Baines and Horford if they want to, or they can match Cleveland's smaller four shooters plus LeBron lineup if they want to and have Baines come off the bench to match up with Thompson, who has really killed them in the past with his rebounding. But on the other hand, I mean, we talked about this earlier in the week, John, where we both agree that Baines does probably come off the bench 
and matches up with Thompson. But is there some logic to maybe trying to force Cleveland to go big Danny by keeping Baines in the starting lineup, by maybe attacking the offensive boards more, where maybe you're the team that forces Cleveland to make a move instead of you reacting to what their starting five is? I'm not really sure about that. I really like the idea of Al Horford playing the five and just having as much perimeter talent and forcing the Cavs to really defend with all of their guys to start the game. I think Baines made a lot of sense when you had a guy like Embiid in the last round. I don't know if it makes as much sense when Tristan Thompson's probably coming off the bench. Yeah, I, I would so, think so. Yeah, I think yeah. what you were saying about like being proactive, I think attacking Corver is proactive. That, I think, is the game one subplot. Like, how fast they attack Corver, how does he stay on the floor? Because Corver was amazing in this last round. How will he valuably be against Boston? I think that's the first question I have about this series. What's your prediction for the series, John? I'm going to say Cleveland in seven. I'm going to say LeBron in the end wins, but we'll get a fun series out of it. Danny? Cavs in five. Um, Cavs in six. It's going to be a lot of close games, Oh, here we though, go. I think. We got the whole spectrum. Oh, in the Western Conference, the Rockets and the Warriors will be facing off kind of as we all expected at the beginning of the season. We're getting what we wanted. Danny, I'm going to ask you the same version of the question that I asked John. Do the Rockets have a chance to take down the Golden State Warriors? God, I hope so. <laughs> God, I hope so. You know, there are times when I watch the Rockets play and I see all those isolations and I throw my hands up and I'm just like, there is no way this is going to work against the, the Warriors. But the thing is, how many more Warriors takes do you guys have? Because I have plenty of Rockets content to share with the world. I don't know how much left I have in the tank for Steph, for Durant, for Iguodala, for Draymond Green. I just don't. But, you know, this is the most <laughs> compelling series, not just because these two are the best teams in the league. But also, I, I kind of get a good Warriors-Cavs round one vibe from them back in 2014-15. You're kind of getting this really nice mm. styles clash. Mm. Back then, when LeBron was forced against the ropes, he had to kind of play bully ball. He had to go back to a certain style that he'd actually never really played before. It was low efficiency, but you basically needed him to batter teams inside. You're kind of getting a lot of the same things with the Rockets. Maybe not in the sense of having a dude shoot contested, I don't know, post shots or whatever, but you're getting a team that's only going to be doing these isolations, and it's it's kind of ugly. It's also beautiful at the same time, though, I think. I think they're zigging while everybody else is zagging, and, and I, I find beauty in that, to be honest. I just think it's really cool. Right. Um, they're doing it differently or more extreme than anybody else, maybe. So that, that is exciting. It's, it's like you said, Danny. I'm not sure what else there is to say about Golden State right now. <laughs> so it's like, if you're trusting the content, if like that, that's what you're rooting for. Always. Then, We're hey, always doing that here yeah, at the Ringer. Then, then it's like Houston's fresh. But um, John, a lot of people are saying this is going to be like Golden State in five. I don't see how it's going to be a quick series like that. Do you get the sense that this will be a deep series? What needs to happen for it to go deep? I think the biggest thing is like, how effective can Steph be? He had that great game too, where he just looked like, incredible and then he kind of fell back to like a little more of an injured kind of not an injured but like he wasn't as effective in the rest of that pelican series and if you can be like at 70 percent staff then golden state becomes not like bad but like they're beatable at least but i think if you have steph and durant at full capacity it would be tough to beat them if steph is not himself I think gives Houston a real chance. I think Houston, I mean, look, Daryl Morey has said straight up, all he thinks about is beating Golden State. So they constructed this team in order to try to take down these Golden State Warriors with KD and Stephen Curry and Klay Thompson and Draymond Green and everybody else. And so they have the three versatile wings slash forward defenders and Luke Bamute, Trevor Ariza, PJ Tucker. Those guys are going to be able to 
at least make it hard on Golden State, I think, with their ability to switch and, and defend different guys. But I think Clint Capella is really going to be the yeah, key to the series. Yeah, he's a big part of it. Yeah, He's going to have to switch, isn't he, Danny? He's going to yeah. have to have possessions against Stephen Curry. And perhaps that is the really just the ultimate key. How does Capella do when he's on the perimeter, not inside protecting the room, when he is forced to switch and defend KD or Steph? Right. I think he'll have an easier time than, say, Rudy Gobert did. Just... The way they're they're physically composed, I think he has a better shot. At Is he a better player. defender than Gobert in this series? Probably based on I, matchup, I, yeah. like based not, on not matchup, like in a yeah, va- yeah. yeah. Not I, a I, I think I think Capella makes a bit more sense against the Warriors than Gobert does. But at the same time, when I look at the series, I'm looking at Luke Mbamute, and I'm like, this guy needs to be at the five for as long as he can physically stand. I think he's a really big part of what the Rockets can do in terms of defense. Yeah, I would say with Capella, it's as much about what he's going to give on offense because even if he is a switchable guy in defense, he'll never be as good at that as Mute. So like, he has to stay on the floor by killing the offensive boards, maybe even attacking switches. Like, he pretty much never gets the ball in Houston, but if you have a smaller guy on you, you have to punish him. If it's not on a switch on the offensive glass, it's being active. It's like, otherwise, he has to make himself useful enough to where D'Antoni doesn't go small all the time, which I'm not sure he can. One thing I'm curious about is which team adjusts first, because looking back at their regular season matchups, the teams that played each other, Houston and Golden State, aren't the same now, right? During the regular season, Zaza Pachulia and David West played a combined 25 minutes per game against Houston, but Zaza's out of the rotation now. West barely plays. McGee also barely plays now, too. It's Kevon Looney. He's the guy that's been getting big minutes. Then for Houston, Ryan Anderson played 30 minutes per game against Golden State for Houston. And now it's more Clint Capella. And Anderson has pretty much been wiped out of the rotation. And what I'm curious about is, does either team go back to what they did in the regular season? Like, does Ryan Anderson start playing? Does Houston feel forced to space the floor with that fifth shooter and Capella takes a lesser role? Do either of these teams adjust? Or if does Golden State, are they forced to put like Zaza out there to match up against Clint Capella? Do you anticipate either of that happening, John? I think that the more likely adjustment is the other way. Where like KD goes to the five and then it's like, how can Quinn Cook get minutes in this series? Like, I think these bigs aren't going to play regardless. To me, it's like these extra wings, like your Gerald Greens, Quinn Cook, guys like Joe Johnson, maybe. Can a guy like that give, give his team 15 minutes <laughs> and let him Johnson. go uber small? Yeah, he's on the team. You feel forget know. that. Yeah, it'd be something else. If you're like making a prediction for a storyline in the series, John, you are thinking that Capella, you know, Zaza, JaVale McGee, Kevon Looney, these guys are going to fade away from the rotation and buy like game five, game six, game seven. It's ultimate small ball. Yeah, I'm thinking pure anarchy. Yeah, we're going to get Gerald Green at the four. That's, <laughs> that's my prediction. That, that's Gerald a- Green and Mbamute at five. John, is that your dream come true for the series? <laughs> Absolutely. I want to watch a Big 12 football game, basically. I want to watch two teams go to like 130, 125 and just complete anarchy. 20-point swings either way. That's what I want to see. Danny, what's your prediction for the series? It's balancing the ringer curse and balancing my own <laughs> personal desires. I'll do Warriors in six. John? I'll be boring and go with that too. Warriors in six. Close out at home. How about you, Isaac? I actually have a take here. I think Houston in seven. I'm with you. Oh, I like it. Legitimately, I, like it. I think Houston has a chance to beat them. I don't think it's a good chance, but at the same time, 
you look at that roster and they have so much versatility on the offensive end to throw whatever guys they need to throw at that Warriors defense. That Warriors defense is good. It's versatile, but it's not as versatile or as good as it was in the years past. Like, Sean Livingston's washed up. Andre Iguodala's washed up. They don't have these switchable Ooh, wings anymore. Is Iguodala washed. washed? That's a big question. Can, can you can you sing that Has word? Has he washed, please? I refuse. Oh, okay, damn it. I try. I'm sorry, <laughs> listeners. My prediction is also Houston in seven games. Oh, nice. KLC going to Let's go. Let's go. Yes. I mean, look, that's partially me just sticking with my pre-playoff predictions, to be real. But like like I Which is always good. Always stick on your takes. Never change. I like that. Houston was built to beat this Golden State team. And we'll see what happens. But I'm picking Houston. To me, though, like, I feel like at worst case, KD just takes over again. Like, yeah, you can be built to stop KD, but no one really stops KD. He just does whatever he wants. Nobody. Well, for fans of teams that are not remaining in the playoffs, next week we get the NBA Draft Lottery happening on Tuesday. I'm stoked for that. We're going to have a live show on Tuesday night immediately after the lottery, so be sure to look for that on Ringer, on Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, wherever you prefer watching. John, next week, Combine starting Thursday and Friday for the media days. Um, Are there any particular players that you're watching for at the Combine that you think have a tough decision to make and what you might be looking for from them in order to stay in the draft rather than going back to college. This is kind of a cheek. He's not going to be doing anything at the Combine, but to me, it's Jure Foster at SMU. He tore his knee in the middle of the season last year, and that is a tough spot to be in if you're trying to stay in the draft or not. Because like, obviously, if someone drafts him, he's not going to play next year. But if he goes back to school, he won't play till like January. Then he'll be rusty on a bad team without Shake Milton. So he's kind of in a spot where either way, he's, that's a tough spot to be in. I don't know what he should do. I like Jerry Foster. He's good. Yeah, he's, just, a, he's, hurt. he's an excellent defender. He's like a, a Wes Matthews, P.J. Tucker you know, type of dude on the defensive guy. end. Yeah, really strong. It, it's really about the offense. And like you said, his knee. Um, he tore his ACL also in high school. I think it was also the Oh, I didn't realize that. Torn his ACL twice. Granted, it was just a partial tear to end his season, but he's intriguing. Very intriguing. Uh, Danny, who stands out to you? I'll go with the popular pick. Dante DiVincenzo out of Villanova, who basically had like an out-of-body experience in the national title game. <laughs> Scored 31 points that night. He's got a lot of the, you know, the things that you want in a wing these days. Good frame, 6'5", 200 pounds. Can shoot from a standstill or off the dribble. He was like 39% over his last two years. So you're like, okay, where do I sign up? He's a playmaker too. The thing is, I think with a lot of these college guys who come off the bench who are like touted, you kind of have a higher burden of proof that you need to show to teams. And I think for him in the combine, he really has to nail his, his interviews and getting good measurables doesn't hurt. The decision with him is that if he goes back he could have a Mikhail Bridges type of leap. And that's something that's like really hard to pass up. Should he be a first round pick, you think, like right now? I think he's a fringe first round pick. Do you think so, John? Yes, but he should go back to school. So for the same reason that because he would have an elevated role going back to school that he could possibly rise his you know draft stock in a weaker class overall, maybe instead of like late first, he becomes a mid first type of deal. Right. Yeah, my, my philosophy is like if you've never been the featured guy on your offense, there's benefits to going back to school. Like once you're the featured guy, you're the featured guy, you got your role, people saw what you could do. But until then, it's like you're such an unknown. People aren't going to buy into you much they could if you came back and developed yourself. Trust in Jay Wright. Yeah, Jay Wright, sure. Jay Wright develops guys. And I mean, he's not going to get a better nickname than he already has now as the Michael Jordan of Delaware. This is true. The guy I'm excited about seeing this next week is Jared Vanderbilt from Kentucky. He's a forward, really a, just a stellar defensive player. Not an exaggeration to say he's like a four 
potentially five position player on the defensive end Is of the floor. Is he healthy? That's one of the issues. He suffered a lot of foot injuries in high school. He missed three months this past season at Kentucky. And not only that, he can't shoot. He's not a threat from outside. However, why he's intriguing to me is because he does pretty much everything else. He's an unbelievable rebounder. He is the best rebounder in this year's draft. Maybe potentially one of the best defenders in the draft. He can handle the ball. He has passing instincts. He just can't shoot. So if he shoots at the combine and shows off like, changed mechanics that's intriguing to me and if i'm a team if he checks out if he's healthy if his shot looks a little bit better i'd be thinking about him as a mid to late first round pick just because of everything else he brings to the floor i mean he's got some real small five potential if you're playing the small five you don't have to shoot so it's definitely interesting guy who needs to win the lottery the most danny i think the suns do They've kind of tempted fate. They've kind of lured in the potential acquisition of Luka Doncic with their new coach, Igor Kokoshkov. Nice pronunciation. Thank you. That Very beautiful. Thank you. Doncic has kind of thrived in these multiple playmaker roles and offenses. So the idea of pairing him with Booker is just like a complete dream to me. It would be beautiful to watch that. I'm intrigued by Chicago. John, is there a big man that stands out as the best fit with Lowry Markkinen? Or do you think Luka would be the guy that they should go with? I think Jackson would be great with Laura. That's like the perfect combination, I feel like, Jackson and Laurie together. Because Jackson would, would basically compensate for some of Laurie's not, he's not an elite defender, he's, but he was solid as a rookie, but Jackson yeah. is a guy who could cover for him on that end of the floor. Plus, they both be, space I feel floor. like it'd be like a, a new age Tyson Dirk, where like, because Tyson could guard anybody and Dirk could guard nobody. And so Jackson can guard fours or fives and let Laurie kind of hide out a bit. The team I'm most intrigued by, though, is Sacramento. They don't have their 2019 pick. So really, like this is their shot to get a higher draft pick. They have the seventh best odds and 18.3% chance of landing a top three pick. They need it. They do. I mean, there's still good players to be had at the 7-8 range of the draft, if that's where they end up. But man, if they have an opportunity to pair Darren Fox and Jackson and Heald and all their younger guys with a Luka Doncic or even a big man like DeAndre Ayton, this is their opportunity to set themselves up for a bright future to finally get over that hump and get a playoff team together. This is the chance, Danny. This is it. And, you know, they, they've just recently promoted Peja Stojakovic, so I'm, I'm rooting for him. I'm rooting for his success, one of my favorite players of all time. Peja um, has not aged. Not, not at all. He, he looks great. I think, I think he could definitely step in and, you know, give a good spot five minutes. We should get Peja on the pod and talk about, like, what he does for skincare or something like that. Yeah. It's unbelievable. Nice. It's a good skin taker. <laughs> <laughs> Isaac, we're ready for grades, I think. <laughs> that we are. Let me start with Jonathan Charks. You were kissing up to the boss in the beginning congratulating the Boston Celtics for their victory. It's a great employee move. I should learn from that. I don't know if you listened to Heat Check this Monday, but that is something I'm lacking in. So B for Boston for you. B for Bill. Yeah. Moving up in the world. Yeah. Danny Chow, you said Aaron Baines made two three-pointers all season. That is incorrect. He actually made three. He was three for 21. And also, you didn't pick Houston to win the series after gushing about them all season. That is a lack of consistency and continuity. Yo. However, I'll give you a chance to defend yourself after this point. However, as Charks pointed out, beautiful pronunciation this episode. <laughs> Through the whole thing, you, you pronounce several hard names and you pronounce them very, very well. Averages out to a B minus. Thank you. Look, I'm just very cognizant of the ringer curse, so I'm, I just wanted to put it out there. Oh, so you're reverse jinxing. Yes. Is, is the ringer curse real, Danny? No comment. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Kevin O'Connor, 
you picked Houston to win the series along with me validating my take. And selfishly, I, I really enjoy that. Also, I know this is an audio only medium, but great haircut this week. Yes, I noticed that. I, I messaged him about it last night. Switched it up this Kevin's time. Kevin's living the LA life, man. It's doing truly, well for him truly, right uh, Kevin O'California move here. You get an A minus just for the haircut. Thank you. I appreciate that, Isaac. Thanks, guys. Well, that was fun, guys. Jonathan, thank you so much for calling in from Dallas, dude. Always. I'll see y'all next week. Danny, Isaac, thank y'all. Thank you. Thank you. And now it's time for Sacramento Kings point guard De'Aaron Fox. But first, a word from our sponsor. If you're looking for life insurance, check out Ladder. It's the quick and easy way to get life insurance online. It's the 21st century. You shouldn't have to wait for weeks to get your life insurance in place. With Ladder Life, there are no commissioned agents and no policy fees. You can be done in minutes. Visit ladderlife.com NBA and answer a few quick questions to get a free quote. If you like what you see, you can apply and get an instant decision on fully underwritten life insurance in less than 10 minutes. Coverage can start today if you qualify. Ladder provides customers with a quick application process that saves you time and frustration because you answer only the questions that are relevant to you. Coverage is available from $100,000 up to $8 million. Ladder's dynamic life insurance lets you get something in place now and apply for more or decrease your coverage with no penalties or fees. With Ladder Life, you get instant decisions and instant peace of mind. Visit ladderlife.com NBA to get a free quote and get life insurance checked off your list today. And now, De'Aaron Fox. I'm here with Sacramento Kings point guard, De'Aaron Fox. De'Aaron, what's going on, dude? Oh, man, I'm doing well. Thank you for having me. No problem, man. Appreciate you coming in. So you're out here in LA right now. It's the NBA offseason for you with Chris Gaston out here training at Sports Academy. Heading into your second season now, what's the focus working with Chris this summer? Oh, first, that's my guy. I've been working out with him for a long time. With us, you know, with the on-the-court stuff, just trying to shoot the ball a lot better next year, just get more efficient and uh, just develop my game as a point guard. You know, he helps me with a lot of pick-and-roll stuff, being able to, you know, ball security, double teams, uh, passing, shooting. You know, he basically just helps me with everything. You mentioned with the jumper, is that like mechanical stuff or is it more like getting reps? Kind of both. So uh, we were actually watching something from high school. He was like, look how you shot then. Like, it's it's kind of different. So uh, just trying to go back to the way, you know, it used to be. And and then also getting reps, getting a lot of reps at it. What's the difference now, like, with, with your shot mechanically? Um, I don't even know. Like, I literally have to look at the video, and it's yeah. like, you know, you can kind of see the difference. So um, just trying to get back to that and, you know, just doing it more consistently. What prospects are you working with out there? Lonnie Walker, Landry Shamat. Alize Johnson, I think that's the last name. What's your scouting report for Landry? Landry, because you man. played against him, I think. Yeah, we right? played yeah. each other in college yeah. uh, in the round of round of thirty two. Yeah, yeah, round of thirty two. <sighs> Shoot the shit out of the ball, man. Yeah, <laughs> man, like you watch him, he doesn't Lights miss. Out. Yeah, yeah, off and, uh, screens, handoffs. I mean, he's a good point guard. You know, really developing his skill, developing you know his one on one game, and I can't give you everything. You know, okay. uh, wait till you get drafted. Wait, 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 wait till everybody gets drafted first. But uh, man, he really shoots. The, he really shoots the ball well. He can create his own shot. Any shot that he gets off, you know, it's kind of like you know, just hoping he misses. For sure. Are you working like one on one with him, or is it more like working individually? Um, I mean, we're all like in a group. It's only like four of us. Yeah, yeah I think yeah, it's four of us, and uh, you know, we get a lot of two on two stuff, a lot of pick and roll stuff. You know, Lonnie, Lonnie's a two. A one and two can play both positions. You know, Alize is more of a, you know, in the modern day kind of a four. He's like six, six, eight, you know, three, four. You know, he can do everything a guard does. So he works out with us. And uh, me gets competitive. You know, we do a lot of one-on-one. You know, that's that's where you get better. You know, um, just playing, just going through the process. You know, we do a lot of drills. We do a lot of shooting drills. But, you know, at the end of the day, we still do a lot of one-on-one stuff just to, just to get each other better. And, um, you know, they ask me questions because, you know, those guys might be older than me, but 
I have the one year, the, the the one year NBA, NBA experience. experience. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, you know, they'll ask me questions and I'm always open to help guys. And you went through the whole pre-draft process, which yeah, yeah. obviously next week going back to Chicago, those guys will be heading out there doing all those interviews, the media day shit. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> so like, I mean, I'll keep in touch with them. I was, so I'm actually going to be out there, you know, oh, for, real. for the, uh, I'll oh, be that's there for right. the lottery. Yes. And, that's um, right. They actually asked me to do the players panel this year, and I'm like, man, I got to get out of Chicago. Like, I don't like being somewhere okay. too long. Yeah, yeah. So I'll be in Chicago for like three days, and uh, you know, those guys will see me mm-hmm. before I leave. So you were, know, I'll be were able to you talk surprised to them. the Kings asked you to to represent the Kings instead of like Lady Bird or something like that? Uh, no, I'm not. I wouldn't say I was surprised. You know, uh, I'm a good face. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, Clutch this season too. Yeah, right? and, um, you know, just try to bring some luck. I mean, last year okay. we moved up three spots. Yeah. Uh, I don't even remember who was there last year for us, but was it Vladdy? Uh, I don't. I don't remember who was there for the for the lottery, but they were supposed to have the eight and ten, and ended up getting the five and ten. That's right. So moved up three spots, and uh, right now we're at seven. So yeah. you know, just try to move up. If, if we don't move up, I'm never going again. When, when uh, <laughs> you you and Bogdan Bogdanovich, you guys hit like a handful of go ahead jumpers or yeah. game winning jumpers or shots to send the game to overtime, which you guys won. Are there Kings fans and your mentions on Twitter like, damn, dude, you're ruining our I'm lottery not odds? It's definitely. <laughs> <laughs> I've seen a few. Okay. Like, I've seen a few. Uh, so you're aware of that then? You yeah, see yeah, I'm aware of it. But for us, you know, uh, planning those close games, yeah. being able to win those close games is a much better experience than, you know, maybe one or two sides yeah. down the you know, sometimes to get like you know, a someone little might, bit extra percentage increase. Cause yeah, you guys, yeah, that, little, so, that yeah. little percentage isn't doing much anyway. Yeah. So, you know, us winning those games are, are, are helping us. No, it's not. So, like, that's what you would say to those fans. Like, hey, still get 18.3% chance of yeah, going in the top that's three, That's what man. I would say, yeah. but, I mean, hey, that ain't you my You watch uh, college basketball last year? Or are you familiar with all that? Time. Of, uh, all the time. Yeah, 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 I watch a lot of college basketball. I watch a lot of basketball, period. What do you think about some of the Kentucky guys this year? Shea Gilgis-Alexander. Uh, Shea, Shea played himself into the lottery. Yeah, you know, um, definitely. I played, me, Malik, uh, and Bam, we all went back this summer and played against those guys, okay, you yeah. know, before, before school started. And, uh, I mean, I could t- I could have told you before the season. Shay's just he was just really smooth, you know. He he came into his own, you know, middle of the season. But uh, you know, I could tell before the season just the way he played, and you know, he just had to get that confidence level up. And you know, he's like a six five point guard, yeah, and it's big, you know, extremely long, yeah. and uh, he was just smooth. You know, he's he, he's going to be a really good player in the league. What about Jared Vanderbilt? I think you played AAU with him, right? Yeah, so I've known Jared since fourth grade. Okay, and, long time um, for him. You know, once he gets healthy. You know, yeah. I feel like he's he's the best rebounder. He can defend. He's he bad, can defend. But he's the best rebounder I've ever seen. Yeah. Seen, played with, played against. You know, at six nine, six six eight, six nine, can really handle the ball. He can play point guard if you really needed him to. But he can go get the rebound and push the ball down the floor with anybody. So uh, I just think once he gets healthy, you know, he hurt his foot and. um once he gets healthy, he'll you know he'll be able to show people what he can really do. So Kings, let's say they win the lottery next Tuesday. You're all excited, and then Vladdy comes to you and he's like, "Aaron, you're making the pick this year. You know what, what's your board looking like in the top top two, top three? Um, do you have any preferences or I mean, like, I really, guys that stand out to you? I mean, I really like you know Marvin, DeAndre. You know, if we want you know like a big wing, you know like Mike, um, Michael Porter, yeah, Michael Missouri, Porter, yeah. Uh, Miles Bridges, mm-hmm. Mikel. No, Luka Doncic. Don't watch much overseas. I see. I don't know much about yeah, overseas. Yeah, yeah. So, um, I mean, a lot of people like him. You know, a lot of people love his yeah. game. There been, a lot of Kings fans. That's the guy. It seems like a lot of fans want. It's Luka Doncic. There's been critics. I've seen a lot of stuff. So, it's not too many foreign guys that have been, you know, stars in the league. For sure. You know, it's, it's a mixed bag. I mean, like, it, I remember, tough. you know, the expectation with Chris Stapps Porzingis was that he'll be slow to develop. You know, going to take a while. Then he explodes. See, but the, that's... Yeah. It's, it's the exception, Porzingis right? Porzingis is a... There's a small percentage. Oh, yeah. I mean, so we played them in New York, right? And because uh, when we played them back home, you know, he was already he had tours. Yeah. He had already he was already hurt. 
So we played him in New York. And um, I was just standing, I was just sitting there. I was actually sitting down and he was standing there. I'm like, looking at him, I'm like, I looked at somebody, I'm like, yo, he looked taller than seven foot. He's like, he's like, bro, he's seven three. Yeah. I'm like, oh, like I forgot he's seven three. But like that dude's amazing. I wasn't starstruck or anything. Yeah, yeah. It's just I was just looking at him like, yo, he looks like a lot taller than yeah. seven foot. It's like, yeah, man, imposing, even though he's lean. Bro, he's, you know, like, he's still put on some muscle. Yeah, he's amazing. Like for him, he doesn't have to put on muscle. Yeah. You know, he can if he really wants to, but he's going getting forty. Yeah. You know, without being you know extremely strong, so. I think Luka Doncic would be a good fit for you guys. I do. I mean, multiple ball handler offense. Yeah, I think definitely. Got to um, take the load off of you a little bit. Just someone to really guard, you know, a, a bigger wing. Yeah. That's what we kind of had problems with this year. So, um, I mean, if you can do that, you know, as sure. far as de- defending, I feel like, you know, offensively, we weren't bad. We, yeah. we got guys that can score. We just have to. Buddy Heald really came into his own this year, yeah, too. Yeah, yeah, definitely. You know, when, um, once he found his role, he's still learning. He's mm-hmm. still learning his role. Um, one thing for me, even though I was young, just my IQ of the game was just, you know, coaches would always tell me, you know, like, I feel like I'm ahead Did of the curve. Did you feel it, that, Like, over the course of the season? Yeah, definitely. Yeah. I mean, even coming in, it's just, I don't know how to play the game of basketball. You yeah. know, as cliche as that sounds, there are guys in the NBA who can't, just can't make an entry pass. They can't, they, <laughs> yeah. Well, they just can't, you know, think yeah. the game. You know, talent takes you a long way. Some guys are just born talented. Some guys just, just work really hard, but... You know, some people do struggle with, you know, understanding the game. And uh, I think that's where I can help guys. I think, you know, that's certainly something like a lot of draft prospects. Like, you're, they come in raw, like, great athlete, but doesn't understand the game. Yeah. Like, sometimes I tend to lean towards those guys that have that feel. That's why I like Dodgers. But um, I'm assuming, like, your goal, like, within the next couple of years is, like, get, help get the Kings back into the playoffs. Rick yeah, Destry, yeah, right? definitely, definitely. So, my brother's a Kobe fan. Yeah. So, I watch, I saw the Kings game. Mm-hmm. So, uh, just try to get back to that. You know, uh, the fans, man, even though, you know, we're, we're not winning a lot. Yep, the new arena is amazing mm-hmm. uh, for one, but you know, with the fans and you know, our games are packed every game, you know, no matter who we're playing and uh, just want to, just trying to give back to them. They've been through the struggle and try to get back to the playoffs. You watching the playoffs this year? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm not one of those guys yet that's like, you know, I ain't making something I can watch it. Yeah. I did it in college. Yeah. You know, after we, okay. after we lost to Carolina, I didn't watch the final four of the championship. I'm, I'm one of those guys, but I mean, it wasn't, well, what you know, changed then? I mean, it wasn't, you know, much expectation for us, you know, okay. to, to make the playoffs. So yeah. it's kind of, you know, I'm still watching, still learning. But college, like, I felt like, you know, we should have won the championship, so I wasn't watching it. It's been impressive to watch, like, Jason Tatum, Donovan Mitchell. Yeah. I mean, rookies really Dude, shining really for their well. teams. Donovan was the biggest surprise. Yeah. yeah. I've known Donovan for a few years, and he went crazy this year. But, like, you know, Ben Ben has always had that game, even in high school. Jason, Jason's played this way. When I say, like, this way, like, the exact same way, like, as far as game, you know, jab, step, iso, spin move, all that. Since like fifth grade, yeah, like he's done. It's just nothing. gotten better and better. He's done nothing but get older, better, right? get bigger, get stronger. It's, he has the same game. Like it didn't change at all. He's just gotten better at it. Have you kept in touch with any of them in the playoffs? Like you know, yeah. They, uh, they actually, like, I haven't they, talked to I haven't talked to Jason since the playoffs. Actually, I have because you know we like yeah. you know we're still on our phone. Like yeah. he he'll slide up on my snap or something like that. So <laughs> I mean, we all still talk. Yeah. You know, it's all still fun and. I wish some guys good luck during the playoffs. Well, what's the conversation like with like Donovan? I mean, like he's playing with like just a supreme level of confidence. He always has been a confident player, yeah. but like he's really grown into that. Nah, it's like, is there anything like like what he, here's what I'm doing? Like, is there things like you're learning? Uh, no, nah, not really. No. But you know, um, sometimes you know it's it's fits. You know, he really fit that team, and you know they look for him to score. They don't look at him like a rookie. You know, it, it doesn't even matter anymore. So. They're looking at him to put the ball in the basket for him. And, you know, he did nothing but deliver. It's like those dudes, like, really don't get nervous before games. Like, do you, do you get nervous before games? I get nervous before every game. But once How come? It, one, I mean, it's just, hell, like, even fifth grade, sixth grade, seventh grade, uh, senior in high school, team, we're supposed to be by 1,000. You know, I still get nervous. It's just I just get nervous before I play basketball. But once the ball's thrown up, it's over. 
Okay. Nerves are gone. It's, so it's so there's like now. nothing like that you do to calm down. It's just like once that no, it's just, ball I mean, gets thrown up. It's, 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 it's go time. You know, uh, it's just little butterflies. Okay. I don't do anything to shake them off or do anything to, you know, it doesn't matter who I'm playing against, whether it's, you know, LeBron or hell, whoever's not as great as LeBron, <laughs> anybody. <laughs> but uh, I mean, it's just a little pregame nerve. I always got it. But once that ball's thrown up, once it's tipped, it's nerves are gone. It's, I'm playing basketball now at the end of the day. How about like post game? Like you're wearing Boogie's brand right now, I think, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, that's my you, guy. You, yeah. you you care about like what you're wearing on post game pressers and whatnot? Or? I haven't. I didn't care no? this year, but uh, I'll start putting some fits together for okay. y'all. <laughs> okay, at Kentucky, you know, like for you, it's like 30 games, like high intensity schedule, fans going yeah. nuts really every game, and then NBA season, 82 games, a lot of travel, <sighs> slows down. What's that transition like going from really here every game to? having to pace yourself. Man, I was tired after preseason. <laughs> For real? Just because it's much like, like in college, you you play a game, fly back to school, be at school for three days. Yeah. You might have two road games in a, in a week, but this is like road game, fly to the next city, play again, back to back, fly to the next city, have a day or two in between, play again. And it's like, that takes a lot out of you. I think people don't understand that. In the league, I think the toughest thing is to be consistent. You have a lot of guys that will have a good week, two weeks, a month, maybe a year. But to do it for, you know, years and years, that's extremely tough. You know, sometimes, you know, people will say every game is someone's, you know, first impression of you. They expect you to go perform, but, you know, they don't care about this is your fifth game in seven nights. I mean, they don't care about it, that. It, it's not just playing on the court. It's practicing. It's film sessions. Practicing it's traveling. Tra traveling it. is something Traveling that, is the yeah. biggest part just because, you know— you probably won't get the rest that you, you know, you wanted or or anything like that. And people don't, you know, people don't understand that. Like just traveling itself is a burden. Have you gotten good at sleeping on planes? Oh, I've I've always been able to sleep in Lucky. anything moving. Like <laughs> if we get in a car and I'm in a passenger seat and we're about to drive for an hour, don't expect to be talking yep. to me because I'm out. Like I'm going to sleep. You've had two veterans in the locker room this season, Zach Randolph and Vince Carter. Yeah, get any good Zach Randolph stories? Zebo to OG. I mean, he he takes care of you. Like one time. He told me to go get like a Beats pill from, from the mall. And once he told me to go get three of them, so I went and got three. He gave me like a rack, like $1,100. I'm like, bro, it doesn't like, How much you do might those spend like 500 Okay. <laughs> like, oh, no, you good. It's, it's, it's cool. It's so, I mean, he takes care of you. Those guys, you know, uh, vets really look out for their, for their young guys. With Vince, like he was in NBA when I was a young kid, but you were a toddler. He was in the NBA. And he was uh, drafted before yeah. I turned one. So, like, in high school, you're playing with everybody's same age group as you, same in college for the most part. Unless, like, there's a, you know, fifth-year senior yeah. or something. But even then, Everyone's same group. around the around yeah. same age. But but now in the NBA, it's like, what's it like relationships-wise in the locker room when you're <sighs> when you're 19, when you enter the league, turn 20, and then, like, you're with a guy in his 40s? Playing with grown men now. But, um, I mean, it's just a, a respect level. Those guys could be my dad. <laughs> but, uh, you know, we all know, we, you know, we're coming in with the same goal, same mindset, you know, playing basketball. But, um. Once you respect each other, you know, it doesn't really matter their age. You know, so it's really uh, just a respect thing. It, it, like age yeah. almost isn't even age doesn't even matter. a conversation. You know, I mean, it'll come up with putting up the balls in the rack or something like that. And, you yeah. know, years of experience in the NBA. But uh, as far as like relationships, nah, it's just, you know, we respect each other and it's, it's fine. Is Vince still that same guy? I've heard like stories of like his work ethic. Is he like yeah. that's still that first guy in the gym? Yeah. So like, you know, there are videos of people, you know, shooting before games. Yeah. You know, he's always the first one. One thing that he taught us, you know, just how to take care of your body. You know, like use the trainers. You know, a lot of times, young guys, you never see them on the training table. Vince is there every day, all day. You know, at 41, uh, even in practice, you know, he still goes hard. He, he he can still windmill between the legs, all that. 
And uh, he just wild. shows us, I mean, he's just all around professional. He just shows us how, you know, how it's done. How do they help with off court stuff? Because I mean, it's like, like we talked about with traveling and all that other stuff. Like you got money now and, you know, you're a high profile person in Sacramento and whatnot. So it's like, how do they help you manage that? Um, with that, I mean, it's just don't do dumb stuff. You yeah. know, uh, it's not too much anybody can really tell you. Yeah. You know, uh, try to live your life. Try to live it as normal as possible. I'm a more of a gamer, so not too many people do For what I'm sure. doing. But yeah. I mean, those guys, yeah, at the end of the day, you're still a person. Don't try to don't try to overthink it off the court. I saw you got a Tesla. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. I got a, I got the f- first car you got after. Yeah, yeah. so I got a wrapped matte black. Okay. Red gutted the inside. So it's like all okay, red on the inside. Yeah, you use autopilot on that driving to the arena? I only do it when like it's traffic. Okay. It's like, you know, you get tired of taking oh, your yeah. foot off the brake and putting on the gas. So I'll put it in, I'll put it in auto when it's a lot of traffic. It, it, shout out to Elon Musk. He's uh, <laughs> a little inside joke on the Ringer NBA show that he's like the biggest listener of the show. Is he? No, he's not. I'm about to say. <laughs> no, he doesn't. He's That's not. Crazy. That would be crazy, though. I he, mean, I mean, you'd have to give you all at least a Model C for free. Oh, that would be sick. <laughs> uh, if Elon's listening, I mean, hit me up. No, nah, I love nah, the Tesla, though. I'm so glad that was my yeah. first car. Are you an Elon Musk fan? Now, yeah. yeah. Now I am. You ride his cars. Would you like ever take a trip in a SpaceX spaceship? What? Real quick. I would yeah. drive his that uh the eighteen wheeler. Oh yeah, that's yeah. crazy. <laughs> See, they're building tunnels like in LA. They're they're yeah. doing. It's supposed to be for cars, but now it's going to be like man, like pedestrians def- and whatnot. He could definitely take me on his spaceship for real. <laughs> to Planet Vegeta. Shit, we can go wherever. For listeners who are like, what is Planet Vegeta? Dragon Ball Z reference, baby. C- can you explain who Vegeta is and what, uh, what Vegeta, show he's from? Vegeta is my favorite character on Dragon Ball Z. Like, if you tell a girl like so, if. Sometimes a girl, uh, all right, put it this way. It's like you saw him all Dragon Ball Z, blah, blah, blah. If a girl sees something, is that Goku? Like, like everybody, uh, like everybody can't be Goku. That's that's an insult. It's like, that's an insult. But they say it for anybody. Like, if you pick a little, like, something Gohan, green, it's like, is that Goku? Yeah. It's like, it's funny. Yeah, I mean, he's the main character. I have a little laugh. But why is Vegeta your favorite character? Um, I've always just liked the underdog. I like the villain. You know, he was yeah. a villain at the beginning of the show. And uh, I just think, as, as far as character development, he's definitely far past everybody. Him and I would say like Piccolo probably have like the best character development. I think Gohan was my favorite. He was always my favorite. I don't know why, but he just always felt like I, I, I could relate. That Cell Games yeah. made everybody a yeah. Gohan fan. Yeah, then, man. I mean, with the one just, arm, right? Yeah, yeah. Then they threw him off the deep end right after <laughs> yeah, that. So yeah. I know. Now I guess he's kind of lame. And he was pretty good in yeah. Super. He was okay. Yeah, okay, yeah. I, I haven't watched Super, but you um, haven't. Are no, you waiting for the odds to come out in English? There's just like no time at all right uh, now. But um, it, it'll it'll happen. Man, but, I watched it. I watched it. You like it? I watched the sub. It's so, like, man, I kind of got yeah. used to, like, so, like, Goku, Gohan, and, and uh, Goten are all voiced by a female. Okay. In Seriously? the Japanese version. So, like, going back to watching it in, uh, in English, it, it seems so weird. Okay. Yeah. I think Vegeta was always my second favorite, though. And, and like, he, he has all those iconic lines. Like, yeah, I, my, yeah. my favorite always, like, does a machine like yourself ever experience fear? Yeah, like, I, I, did, I put that on my uh, Instagram. I don't know yeah. if you saw it. Did you see it? No, I didn't. So I have the hoodie and the sand armor and his armor. Okay. And that was my uh, caption. I remember you wearing that. I didn't yeah. know about the caption. It was before yeah. a Laker game. I kind of knew, I knew it would blow up. Yeah. So like, that's why okay. I wore it. And that was my, that was the caption. So you do think about what you're wearing then a little bit. I mean, bit. Yeah. like, that was like a national television okay, game. Yeah, yeah. So I knew, I knew, I knew everybody was watching. So you, like. You, you got a favorite line by Vegeta? Nah, but I, like scenes like um, right before he committed suicide, you know. Uh, yeah. It's impossible for humans to do because he blew himself up. Yeah. Like with his own energy yeah. so like don't think about yeah. doing that don't think you can do that so he <laughs> don't blew himself up with home. his own energy yeah, yeah. and um, it was you know for his family basically you know he was he was really trying to protect his son and his wife so how old were you when you first got into DBZ <sighs> 
don't know. I think I was, I would say I was in like elementary school, but I didn't remember too much. But then once I was like a freshman or sophomore in high school, I went back and watched everything. Okay. Like I went back and watched Dragon so Ball. in high school you were watching then? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, went, I went back and watched Dragon Ball, watched all of Dragon Ball Z, watched all of Dragon Ball GT. That's kind of when I really became okay. a big fan. But like my favorite show actually is Avatar Last Airbender. Okay. That's for real. Yeah. So it's yeah. not Dragon Ball Z. Nah, Dragon Ball Z is more. That's got to crush listeners who like associate. Dra- you but I've said it yeah, many yeah. times. Like okay, I've, yeah. I've literally I've said it a lot. And, um, Dragon Ball Z is just a more popular one that everybody yeah. knows. You know, everybody. It's like the most mainstream yeah, anime. Like everybody Besides knows Pokemon. Dragon Ball Z. Yeah. Like Dragon Ball Z, Pokemon, Naruto. Everybody knows. Everybody knows that. So like when you're not riding in your Tesla, not watching Dragon Ball Super, you have a lot of free time. You're playing video games. What what games you've been playing a lot lately? So uh, two days ago, I beat um I beat God of War. Okay. Just beat God of War. I'm a Call of Duty fan, but I would play Call of Duty every day, every night. I would throw away Fortnite. Couldn't care less about Fortnite, anything like that. Like COD, your favorite game all time? All time. Which one? COD 4. Okay. That's the one I really started. I played like COD 3, the yeah. ones before that, like on PlayStation 2. Modern Warfare 2 is mine. That was my favorite one. I got to go with the original. Okay. I really like Modern Warfare 2. I think Black Ops 2 is a lost game. Yeah. Like Solid. Because yeah. like, so like we would all, like me and my friends, we would talk about, you know, which one we like the most. And, you know, it's always Modern Warfare 2. And mine's always COD 4 because that's where I started and I really love that game. But uh, I, I, I watch a lot of COD videos. Um, I would say like shout out to Chaos Top. Have you heard of Chaos Top 10? No, I haven't. So he does like a lot. He does like top 10 assault rifles, you know, in COD history, top 10 maps, COD history, worst guns in COD history. Okay. He does a bunch of stuff. Oh, like yeah. I, I don't know what I was doing, but I watched one of his videos and I kind of just kept watching, kept watching. He's been doing it for years. And um, every time somebody would bring up something from Black Ops 2, I would go back and look at it like, yo, that was really like a great game. So like, I would have to say Black Ops 2 was probably... See, but then I also love Modern Warfare 3. Like all the Modern Warfare okay. I love. So it's like COD 4, Modern Warfare 2, Modern Warfare 3, Black Ops you 2. You Halo guy at all? You ever Halo, play Halo? Nah, see, I'm, I'm PlayStation. Okay. Always uh, been PlayStation. Okay, Never, so yeah, yeah, that, that was my like thing. I didn't like Halo. Yeah, okay, yeah. dang. I, I mean, Halo 3 was my favorite. I probably logged probably like 60 days, 50 days. Because COD War, that World 60 War II. Days, something like that. World War II, the last COD. I'm yeah. on 11 days right now. 11, 11 days, days and something hours. And that that's like just the one game, not yeah, all of them combined. Not, oh, yeah. all of them combined. Yeah. <laughs> it's a lot, lot of days in, in your there. life. <laughs> God, decades, man. You are, ever play Dragon Ball video games at all? Yeah, so like I started early. So like I, I played the Dragon Ball Budokai's, Dragon Ball Tenkaichi. Okay. I've been it all. I mean, I had the Xenoverse and the last one, uh, okay. Z Fighter. But man, I remember the Dragon Ball Z, Budokai, Tenkaichi 3, all that. I played it all. Do you think you'll ever like stop playing video games? The reason why I ask is because I'm 27 now and maybe it was like four years ago or whatnot. Like I mentioned, I played like 50 days yeah. of Call of Duty Marvel Warfare 2, like 60 of Halo 3. And like, I don't even know much about Fortnite now. Like I, I feel so out of loop. I don't play anymore. Um, I'm as busy as I'll ever be yeah. at this point. I mean, I'm in the NBA, a lot of travel. True. And, you know, once I retire, I feel like I won't be doing that much. Yeah. So... I don't know. I mean, you know, you maybe you, with you, age, I might stop playing. You but. got your YouTube channel now. How'd yeah, that come I mean, about? I kind of just wanted con- to connect with fans. You know, I have, a, I have a Twitch and a YouTube account. So, okay. Should be able to play with fans. Sometimes, you know, I'll invite people and we'll have, you know, I'll invite people to the lobby and we'll just go out and play and I'll have my mic on and, you know, just be normal. And um, well, a lot of people love that. When you're not on Twitch or you're, you're like, maybe even in high school, did you talk trash playing live? Oh, uh, I was playing live. real. Yeah. What? I used to go crazy. <laughs> I used to go crazy. That was the best battle. part, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Especially when you would find someone who'd rage. Yeah. That was oh, I know. Yeah, make him rage quit out of the room. Nothing better yeah, than that. Yeah, definitely. That's, like, that's probably the equivalent. The of like, ones you can don't... really do it in is going free for all because you can hear everybody. Oh, yeah. But uh, like if you're playing against someone, once you kill them, then you can hear yeah, them. Yeah, so. absolutely. It's, it, that's like the equivalent of like dunking on somebody. Man, right? no, I think people go way worse than that. If you die, <laughs> especially if they're, like, if they're on a kill streak or something and you mm-hmm. kill them, you hear it. <laughs> 
you're hosting a very special basketball clinic this weekend in honor of Mother's Day. Can you explain that, De'Aaron? So my mom had breast cancer or something, you know, just for breast cancer awareness. But um, I just always wanted to, you know, just hold my own camp, you know, with my name on it, just be able to help kids and uh, just be able to interact with people who, you know, without that camp would probably never see you in public or anything like that. So it's just going to be cool just to be on the court with a lot of little kids. And, um, you know, it's, it's a younger group, you know, really, really young group. And, um, you know, sometimes with, with kids that young, they just don't, they don't know, you know, the significance yeah. of it, you know, just yet. But uh, just, I just like being able to interact with, with, with other people, you know, outside of the game, you know, outside of guys who, you know, are professionals or, or celebrities or anything like that. This is something that I think you started like having the idea for last year when you wore the, the jacket. Oh, yeah, breast yeah. Cancer, yeah, yeah, so, right? yeah. Yeah, because my mom had breast yeah. cancer. She's a breast cancer survivor. Mm-hmm. 18 years, 18 something years. like that. Wow. It's amazing. And, uh, yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely. I mean, I didn't I didn't understand it, you know, until I grew up. So yeah. uh, just being able to do this is is great. And then uh, she'll be in Sackford with me for Mother's Day. You know, I'm going to stay there for Mother's Day. And then I'm going to go to Chicago for the, yeah. for the uh, draft get, lottery. Get the number one pick. Yeah. Yeah. Try. The, your mom played basketball, I think, right? Yeah, she played in college. Okay. She good? Yeah, yeah. So, like, she, she played at University of Arkansas Little Rock. Okay. So um, she has like the free throw record, For free real? throw percentage. Okay. So every time like I miss a free throw, she had like ah like it's, like cause she was a good free throw. Well, what you shoot from the line this year? I only shot like seventy something, seventy three, okay. seventy four. But it, I didn't shoot a lot. Like yeah, if I got to yeah, a yeah, line, yeah, 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 you got to get that rhythm right. Yeah. Nah, yeah. man, Rooks ain't getting the call. So yeah, it's, it's, what, what was her record like? like plus, we're talking 90. like JJ Redick level, ninety plus percent. Yeah. Or no, yeah. she was like eighty nine, ninety, something like that. She was Dang. really up there. I get the impression, like, you know, this is probably one of the better things about being in the NBA, being able to help other people, right? Yeah, yeah, of yeah. course. I mean, it gives you that platform. It gives you that platform to to, to help people. And, uh, you know, even though you're just playing basketball, you know, you're a role model to people and, and people, a lot of kids. And I've had even people older than me tell me that they look up to me. So um, that must feel good, right? Yeah, yeah. Just yeah. knowing that you're in that position, you know, it's, it's fantastic. And I just try to do what's right all the time. And but that's just who I, who I am. You know, even if I wasn't playing basketball, I would always be trying to do what's right for people. Darren, appreciate you joining the show, man. This is fun. Oh, yeah. No, nah, no problem. Thank you. It's a good time, man. Keep doing your thing. Appreciate it. Thank you. Well, that's all for today. Thank you so much for listening to Draft Class. Please rate The Ringer NBA Show five stars on iTunes. Give us a thumbs up on YouTube, wherever you listen to the show. Really appreciate that if you do. For extra credit, please check out The Ringer's 2018 NBA Draft Guide at nbadraft.theringer.com. We're updating it on Tuesday with additional 30 scouting reports and some team needs pages. It's going to be fun. Thank you again to De'Aaron Fox for joining the show and to Elon Musk and his new girlfriend Grimes for listening to the show. And a big special happy Mother's Day to all the moms out there, especially to my mom. I love you. Thank you so much for listening. Have fun. Peace out. Peace out.